All right. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Uh, so with God's great grace, we are going to talk about um, inner healing, inner healing, which is actually a topic that's very um, dear to my heart. I This topic I'm personally very, very passionate about. And um, because with God's grace, I've personally experienced inner healing. And um, I am not completely healed. I have lots of lots more in my own heart. And um, but I have experienced some. And all of us need to experience inner healing. All of us need to experience inner healing. And I didn't have time to uh, survey the Bible to look up all the verses about healing. But there were two that came to mind that I just wanted to start with because I want you to know that God is our healer. God is our healer. Maybe one day we're going to have a, a church called Christ the Healer, American Coptic Orthodox Church. That would be very beautiful, actually. Because, Huh? Or a clinic? Yeah, yeah. He, he really is a healer. Like this is one of his, his, the things that he does. In, in the crowning ceremony, the gospel is from Matthew chapter 19. Chapter 19. And it says, it starts off by saying, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And we all know the rest of the gospel. The question that we should ask ourselves is, why does it start with these first two verses? Why? Oh, this is so nice. I don't know who did that. That's really nice. Thank you. Uh why does it start with these first two verses? What does Jesus finishing the sayings, departing from Galilee, going to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, the great multitudes followed him and he healed them there, and then the Pharisees asked him about divorce. Why start with those two verses? They, they seem to have nothing to do with marriage. But, the church is giving us a very important message that before you get married, and of course after you get married, you need healing. You need healing. That's before you get married. Before. Like, maybe, maybe I skipped some of that healing that I needed to do. I know I did. We all did. We all did. We didn't, we didn't do all the healing that we should have done or that we could have done. But of course, there's healing after. I mean, God is not limited in his ability to heal just because you all, you, you pass that milestone, right? God is not limited by anything, right? But the church is teaching us something that Christ has healing for you and you need it in your life, especially before you get married. I also want to, um, uh, go to the book of Revelation and to focus on a piece of Revelation chapter 3, verse, verse 17. 
verse 17, and this is to the church of the Laodiceans. Um, and verse 17, if we just look at uh, after that long dash that where it says, and do not know that you are wretched, right? So it says, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Honestly, so, sometimes my heart is in an even worse position than that. Um, and then he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be re revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see that you may see. These are like what Jesus is saying. Of course, he's not saying buy gold. That's not what he's saying, buy actual gold, right? And what God, what Jesus is telling us is that I have no intention to shame you. Like when I offer you healing, I'm not trying to expose you. Like I'm not trying to put you in front of everyone and shame you and show you how messed up you are. No, I actually want to cover you. And I want to give you medicine. I want eye salve is an it's an, an ointment you put on your eyes so that you could see. And we need to see because we're going to talk about awareness, right? Self-awareness. But Jesus has healing. This is what this is exactly what this is saying. That this is healing, right? Healing without shame. But we need to first know that we are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So that was just an introduction um, to some of, some of these verses. <clears throat> and now uh, let's start, which is that because of the imperfections and the brokenness of life on earth, we will suffer many things. We're going to suffer many things. Many of these things are outside of our control. For example, if we if flaws that come from our parents, like uh, most people are dealing with flaws from their parents. That's like a if you want to be a therapist, just that's an easy one. That's like low hanging fruit. You just oh hey, what are you doing here? Ah, tell me about your parents. You just just tell me about your parents. You know, it's an easy one, right? Um, also. Uh, that's outside of your control because those you, you didn't you weren't you didn't choose your parents right and by the way I'm not trying to make any parent look bad I'm a parent and uh, I have to be very prepared for any of my flaws to um, to affect my child uh, but of course I shouldn't let that you know um, just drive me into an anxious mess you know I need to like just hold myself accountable. Right? I mean, I'm not, it's never going to come a time when I'm actually fully perfect, right? And you can't wait till you're perfect to start your life because you're never going to start. So, um, other things that are outside of your control are abuses that you experienced. Or, um, and you could, you know, people who experience abuse, they can't control it, right? They just, like, a lot of times you can't do anything about it. Also, some health issues, like you could have health issues. That's just things that are outside of your control. And some things are in your control, like sin, for example. That's something you can choose, and it's in your control. Or character flaws 
that lead to issues that are hard to change. And no one wants to hear about that. But we, all of us, I'll just speak for myself, we have character flaws. There's something messed up in my character, right? I'm weak in something. And that can lead to issues that are hard to change, but that's in my control. Also, some are, that are in our control are poor relationships. We can have chosen the wrong friends or the wrong people to spend time with. And of course, we just make mistakes. A key point here is that the health of your spirit is affected by the health of your mind, heart, body, and relationships. The health of your spirit is affected by the health of your mind, your heart, your body, and your relationships. Just to make that point, like to drive that point home, to make it clear, if you're unhealthy in your mind, meaning to be a bit specific, I'm not talking about mental health issues. I'm talking about if you have poor theology, if your theology is messed up, that means there's something wrong in your thinking, in your, in your knowledge. Your knowledge is flawed. Then you're going to have incorrect information. And of course your spirit will be affected by bad theology. You have a misunderstanding of who God is. So the health of your spirit is affected by the health of your mind. Also, if you're emotionally unwell, your spirit will be unwell too. Like sometimes we pray out of anxiety. Have you ever seen some people who are very, very anxious? And, but, they, but actually they seem so spiritual because they're praying all the time. But are they praying because of intimacy with God or because of anxiety they cannot control? Actually, sometimes, in some cases, if we find... Sometimes when people pray and they're praying out of anxiety, their anxiety is causing them to ruminate. And rumination is an issue, is a, a symptom of anxiety. You're thinking and thinking about the problem. And you go and you pray and you keep thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And you t actually, for that person, you would say, hey, just pray less. Pray less. Like, on that specific point, you don't, you're not informing God. God is not saying, oh, thank you for reminding me, I forgot. Thank you for telling me. No, actually, you're, and if you're emotionally unwell, if you're emotionally burnt out, anxious, afraid of healthy attachment, if you're afraid of vulnerability, of course your spirit and relationship with God will be affected. You can be a Christian or call yourself a Christian and have no intimacy with God because you're afraid of vulnerability. You're afraid to say, God, I'm a sinner. Or God, I need help. God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm lost. That is a very intimate point in your relationship with God. And you might never get there if you are overly anxious or afraid of vulnerability or you're emotionally burnt out. Because sometimes we're too burnt out to approach God, right? And that's not... Uh, that's not right. So, do, so uh, is that point clear that the, that the health of your spirit is affected by the health of your mind, body, heart, and relationships? Is that point clear? That these are all connected. You can't... And we're going to talk later about overly spiritualizing things, right? Because we love to do that sometimes. So, any questions so far? Is everybody with me? Is everybody with me? Okay, all right. Now, next is... 
There are many obstacles to inner healing. Many obstacles. So annoying that there are obstacles to a good thing. But yes, there are obstacles. The first one, which is probably easy to appreciate, is your and my ego. Our ego. Yeah. That thing, I hate that thing. But that thing is so powerful. No one, your ego is, this is how it looks. That no one wants to admit that there's something intrinsically wrong with that. No one wants that. No one wants that. Especially if that problem is causing other problems that people have highlighted. Because then, if you admit that there's something wrong with you, and someone's been telling you that there's something wrong with you, you that's, that's so annoying, right? You don't want to admit that. That's like, what? I don't want, I don't want to tell someone who was telling me there was something wrong with me that they were right this whole time. That's like my ego on double time, like 2x ego, right? Like that's bad. And even if you're comfortable admitting that there is something wrong with you, which most people are not, you don't want to want to admit that you're failing in trying to address it. So that's your ego coming in from another angle. So first, it could just come in because you don't want to see there's something wrong with you. It could also come in because you don't want to say there's something wrong with you that others have been telling you about. It could also come in in that, okay, you said there's something wrong with you, but you've been failing in trying to address it. And you don't want to admit that failure because your ego is coming in the way. And of course, no one wants to ask for help. Like that's, that's my ego. That's one obstacle. Another obstacle is a fear of vulnerability. A fear of vulnerability. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, uh, there's so many examples here. Um, I remember a, a, a client, um, who there was a, a major, major turning point in, in, in the work we were doing when we, we reached this point of like, oh, and the reason why you've been so harsh with your wife is because you're anxious. And once we reached that point, he just nodded. And we didn't have to say much more about that anymore. Because he was so anxious about, he, he felt this very intense fear about protecting his family. So anytime like a financial question came up, he'd rush, he'd just say something, right? They'd be out on vacation, walking on the street, and people are passing by and he feels this vigilance, right? And he's like, hey, get over here, stand, walk with me, stand right next to me, hold my hand, and all this stuff. And, and his wife is like, what like what's going on you know or or we're we're going to be late and he's just blurt is just is is very anxious but he, it doesn't come out that way but but we have to be vulnerable just to talk up about emotions to talk about times when you are weak insecure not confident not sure or certain to say i don't know if i'm doing a good job and i need help that exposes you. I mean, just a, a few days ago, I was at um, I was at a, a work event, and I was sitting next to uh, one of my bosses. Like, I, in 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 some jobs, you have many bosses, you know. So one of my bosses, I happened to be sitting next to her, and um, 
you know, uh, we're, we're really cool, but we just don't talk that often. But we had like a whole dinner to sit next to each other and talk. <clears throat> and uh, we just started chatting and chatting and chatting. And then she just opened up about, you know, uh, her husband and her husband's family and the mother-in-law and the anxiety and all this stuff. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is awesome. This is very, very good what she's doing. Like, it's really, really good. And I felt so much more connected with this person. And I, and I really admired her vulnerability. Like, she just said, yeah. And I was talking to my therapist and this and that. And I, I was like, this is, in my head, I was like, you are such a healthy person. Like, you are so good at this, you know, at doing, making these connections with someone who's, who's a level below you, me, right? Um, <clears throat> that, that of course, like, you know, you can imagine, can you imagine, uh, get do talking to you that way or your parents talking to you that way about their vulnerability? No way. Like most of them, no way. You know, I need help. I messed up. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. No way. What? Sorry. You can't even spell sorry. Right. So vulnerability is very, very important because that exposes you. Once you become vulnerable, uh, you're, you know, the problem is, is that one, we've never maybe seen vulnerability, but the other problem is that you may not trust the person that you're being vulnerable with. And, 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 and but trust you, you to gain trust, you have to try. Right. So if you can't, if you never try, you're never going to, the person might be trustworthy, but you're never trying. So it's just a lost opportunity forever. But, um, but when someone is vulnerable, be very careful, be very careful in your response, right? You have to respond very carefully, watch your, um, your body language, you know, just like maybe just nod or, you know, just do it. Make sure you're not responding with fear or disgust or surprise or concern. You know, you could, you could only imagine if, if, if your father of confession was, uh, you know, you say you did a, you committed a sin and he's like, what? You did what? And like, all right, last time I'm talking to you again, you know, that would be very hard, right? Like what, what you need is, you need someone who responds like Jesus, and that's something that we all we should do, all of us. Another obstacle. So we said ego, and then we said fear of vulnerability. Is everybody with me so far? You guys are good. All right, okay. And the third one is a fear of grief. A fear of grief. If we admit that there are issues and problems, then we will need then to grieve the fact that we have those issues and problems, like. If, and that's very hard. It's like, you know, just some, some, a specific client of mine is coming to mind that we're just saying like, hey man, like just, just accept that your fiance the way she is, man. Like just accept her the way she is. She's not a, like a bad person, you know, but he's just so wants to be perfect and all this stuff. And then he finally said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to accept that. But then he just entered this big grieving process. It wasn't like crying all the time. It was a little bit crying, but it wasn't like crying and weeping and all this stuff. But he was just like, wow, like, does that mean I can't change her? Like, she's going to be like this. And she's, she's, she's a really good person, by the way. Like, he's just a, a, like a perfectionist. You know, he doesn't know how to not be, work super hard to cr like self-criticize everything. But 
Um, so, um, when, when we realize and we admit that there are issues, we're going to need to grieve the fact that we have those issues and the impacts of those issues. Let me just give you two examples. What if you're 70 years old and you realize that you've made a major parenting mistake? Oh my goodness. Can you imagine that? If you're 70 years old, you can't go back. That's lost forever. You're going to need to grieve. By the way, the future isn't lost, but the past is, has already happened. Like, remember, please, like, God doesn't need a lot of time to do anything, right? God, the right-hand thief, who's in the, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Let's keep going, right? God is not stuck. He's not limited by time, right? But, we still need to grieve the past, right? And if you messed up as a parent and you're looking and you're, you're looking at your adult children and your adult children have character flaws because of you, you know what? There's a big opportunity because if you go and you tell your child, hey, I messed up, that might unlock a lot of doors, Right? That they're probably going to have to deal with maybe otherwise they're probably going to have to deal with um, when you're buried and they have to deal with dealing with all of that, right? Which is real. This is real. Like what I'm saying is real, right? So uh, if you're afraid of grieving that, then you might never uh, want to be healed You because you don't want to admit that there's something wrong. And, and just... What, by the way, when anyone who's a parent, no parent wants to hear that they're doing something wrong. No parent. You tell a parent, oh, uh, you should uh, hold the bottle this way. Oh, you should, uh, this is better uh, for the breastfeeding. Oh, this is a different way to travel with your child. No parent wants to hear any correction about anything, right? Because it's like for some parents, Parenting is how they're going to redeem every other mistake in their life, right? That's that's everything is failing. The whole world is on fire, but these kids—they're my kids. Don't say anything about my kids. But the whole world is on fire, right? And that's not right. That's not right. And you don't want to grieve when you make a mistake. Also, another example for fear of grief is: what if I realized that I am underdeveloped in a certain area in my life? I real and I realize it in my adult life, which by the way is super common. It's like super common. You realize as an adult, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I am bad in this or I, I'm so bad at this, right? Like I literally had someone in his mid forties tell me, I am so bad at emotionally connecting with my daughters and with my wife. And I'm like, you know what? Great. I'm so glad this is what we're talking about right now. That moment, this, you saying that is worth everything, right? Because now we can move forward, right? Like that, that realization is very important, right? And you can, you can just get stuck and say, oh, I lost all those years with my daughter. I lost all these years. Yes, you did. But it doesn't change everything that can come in the future, right? Because God is not limited, right? God is a God of hope, right? Like God can do anything. God can heal everything. He's called the Redeemer, right? He brings it back, right? He makes all things new, 
right? He's not limited by the past. That's God. That's our Redeemer, right? Another obstacle to inner healing is a lack of self-awareness. We don't know what's happening inside of us. We don't know what we feel or why we feel a certain way. We don't know how we affect others or what others around us are feeling. We don't spend any time reflecting or asking ourselves if we're doing okay. And we often become distracted by looking at what others' issues are. Did you ever wonder what your home is like when you're not home? Right? What, what, what is the effect of you walking in? Like, what happens? Right? Said, you know, we all, we all have an impact. Right? We don't know. We don't, we're not thinking about how we're feeling, how we're responding, what's going on inside of me. All that reflection, some people go through life with zero reflection. They just don't reflect. And reflecting is very, very important because, because you're not going to have any healing if you have zero self-awareness. Number five, there's only six obstacles that we're going to talk about, is overly spiritualizing problems. Overly spiritualizing problems. We make problems only spiritual. Like this problem is only a spiritual problem. But it's not true. That's not true, right? Um, and this is especially easy to do if you don't know how to deal with the situation. When you don't know how to deal with the situation, you say, oh, God is in control. I don't know. It's, it's just, you know, we have to pray more. Yeah, okay, pray more. Sure. But go as Go do some work, man. Go do some work, right? And the problem with overly spiritualizing problems is you get a reward. The reward is everyone thinks you're very pious. They think that you're a very spiritual person. Because when we talk about the problem, you just keep saying spiritual things, right? But you're, you're completely missing all the other things that you could be doing, right? Like when it says, like, if someone asks you for bread, don't just say, or clothes or whatever. Say, I'm going to, I'm, may God be with you. No, man, go help them. Go do something, right? <clears throat> and most of the time, the problem is not just a spiritual problem. And the last obstacle is ignorance or lack of experience. We are either unaware of how much our emotional health can affect everything else, or we have never experienced an emotional breakthrough. Some of us, and it's just a, a fact, that's okay, uh, but it's a sad one, is that uh, we might not have ever experienced like a major breakthrough in our emotions. Like we've just never experienced like, oh wow, like I just realized so much about how I could do life differently. We've never experienced that. So because we've never experienced that, we're, we're like, you just don't even know that that's a possibility. You, you don't even think about it. And you don't even have hope that that might happen, right? And you, sometimes you don't even know that your life can be easier. And, and life can be easier. It's just we don't, we, don't, we don't see it, so we don't even try to get it. So uh, any questions about the obstacles? Okay. Is everybody with me so far? I, this is this is kind of dense. I feel like I'm just throwing a lot of content at you. Um, but that might be the result of my uh, rushed preparation. All right. So there's two more main points that we want to cover, which is what do we need to heal from and then how to actually obtain inner healing? Okay. What do we need to heal from? Um, the first thing we need, uh, one of the things we need to heal from is bad experiences caused by no one's intentional wrongdoing. So Sometimes we have bad experiences, but they're caused by just the fact that 
the world is messed up. It's just imperfect, right? And I think I've uh, there are things I want to tell you, uh, examples that I've probably told you before, but it would just keep take too long to keep telling stories. But the world is imperfect, and uh, there are things that happen. Like being laid off from a job, that could just happen because the economy is going down. I mean, you want to blame the Fed, you want to blame whatever, like whatever. But at the end of the day, if you get laid off, you know, it, it could not be because of someone's wrongdoing, you know, like someone is intentionally trying to harm. Or, God forbid, having cancer or another illness or an accident in which someone dies. Inheriting, and this is a big one, inheriting consequences of a problem that comes from your spouse. And that one is like a, a hard one to swallow, right? And by the way, we all inherit consequences for problems that come from our spouses, right? So, and that's, that's an example of, hey, I'm an imperfect person. You're an imperfect person. We both bring imperfection into this, right? That's what we're doing here, right? And grief over those losses. Another, uh, thing we need to heal from. So we said bad experiences caused by no one's intentional wrongdoing. Number two, of course, is any pain caused by abuse. Uh, the, the, we need to heal from what was harmed and which sometimes can be irreversible. Like some, some abuse, not all, but some abuse, abuse can be irreversible. Like it could, it could be like a very physical type of abuse or, um, it could be like a very, like an extremely, extremely intense emotional abuse that kind of does some very hard to reverse, uh, wiring in our brains. Um, uh, how that abuse made you feel about yourself, the fears and anxieties created as a result of that abuse, the bitterness against the abuser, all of that you need to heal from, right? That's a lot of stuff. And the grief associated with those losses. So that's a lot. A third thing we need to heal from, poor self-regard, poor self-regard, low self-esteem, low self-confidence, low self-image, feeling less than, um, feeling unlovable. And I remember a woman um, and her family moved to a different area. And she, after maybe like a few years, she was devastated by the fact that her husband was making so many friends and she was making none. And um, she just, and I remember just a few weeks ago, she sent me a text and she said, you know, I just feel like, you know, everyone's kind of lying to me. And I, I don't really, maybe I'm I, like, I'm just not loved, you know? And she, she felt very unlovable, you know? And I, I was, tr I was trying to like read between the lines and I said, you know, maybe you didn't do a good job of, you know, uh, maybe you didn't, maybe you were leaning too much on your husband's social skills. Maybe you didn't have any. You know, and that's something to work through. But nonetheless, you are worthy of friends. And that phrase, worthy of friends, worthy, was, was, was what she was waiting to hear. That you are worthy of friends. You are friend worthy. I, I said friend worthy. And, and that, that was what she needed to hear. Um, so, uh, um, and poor self-regard is often caused by criticisms or conditional love. Um, but it can also be caused by shame, which can be caused by our own mistakes and sins. Okay, so we said 
We said uh, bad experiences caused by no one's intentional wrongdoing. We need to heal from that. Pain caused by abuse. Poor self-regard. Number four is deficits in healthy reference points. Especially in family life, personal integrity, emotional health, and spiritual integration. I'm going to repeat that because it's a lot of big words with many syllables. So deficits in healthy reference points, meaning you didn't have a good reference. You didn't have a good reference. Like I have, I have a woman, uh, a couple that I work with now, they're, they're mid-50s, and uh, literally every time she's like, yeah, in my family, they used to do this, but I'm doing the opposite. Literally, so she uses the word opposite, but I do the opposite. Like she didn't like the way dinner time was handled in her family. So she does the opposite of that. She didn't like the way her mom does this. So she does the opposite of it. And I'm like, okay, so you're basically, your life is the opposite. Like it's, so it's controlled by your family of origin. It's just the opposite of everything that was happening in your family of origin, right? And that's how she decided to do it. Her family of origin is dictating her life in that she is going to be the opposite of it. Like the exact opposite of everything. But it's not like her family of origin was a disaster. Um, it's just, she just took a very extreme approach to everything. Um, so deficits and healthy reference points. You didn't have good points of reference in family life, in personal integrity. Like, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be married? What does it mean to have children, to be a parent? What does it mean to love God? What is that? What does it mean to be an honest person? What does it mean to be vulnerable? All those things, we could have had zero reference, like no reference, like or the, the, the reference point was so busted, right? And, um, and spiritual integration, like what does it mean to love God and to honor God, right? Like to, to fear God when no one is looking. What is that? Where is that? Have you seen that before? And that's something that we need to heal from because some of us, it was out of our control, but we didn't have the healthy reference point. Number five, there's only six. Number five is we need to heal from bitterness and resentment. Like if, if we were wronged, your, your heart could be trapped in hatred. Your heart can be trapped in hatred towards another person because of an offense. And number six is misinformation like we discussed before. And some of us, I'm not going to, like I, I'm just saying in general, some of us, we are severely misinformed or we're attracted to ideas. We love ideas <clears throat> that challenge the status quo or like, or like common knowledge. Some of us love to hear ideas that challenge what everyone else is doing. We're just so attracted to that. We feel like there's something special about it, right? Of course, I'm not saying that challenging the status quo is bad. I'm just saying some of us think that just because you're challenging the status quo, you're good. And that's not right. Yes. Yeah. Like, like for example, very example I think we could all accept is all medicine is bad. These doctors have no idea what they're talking about. They're all manipulators. That's messed up. That's not true. You know? Like, and some people are like, oh, like, some people are like, oh, no, no, no. No, I, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. I, I, I have, I have, I know someone who is a doctor who hates medicine and doesn't believe any of them. She's like, she's like, I'm not going to take any medicines. And she hated it so much that she left her like main line of work, like their clinical work. She's doing something else now. Um, but uh, 
but but there there is no she she's now in this very relative world there's no authority there's no there's no point of reference for so when something is wrong what do you do and we're, we always stumble on that point of like okay so so what can you do where do you go for answers if if, if you challenge all authority all of it right yes Yeah, yeah. And uh, for example, like I know someone, his father, when he was growing up, was very, very uh, authoritarian, especially about church and reading the Bible. And now he hates all all um, organized religion. He hates it, you know. He'll go to do a Bible study at someone's home, but to like walk into a church, he walks in, he all he sees is things that are wrong and you know, this you see, there's a problem there. The the authority here and the the administration and the management and all this stuff, because he he, he hates this authority. This and 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 he just made that point. Like maybe I have an issue with authority. It's like maybe, you know. So, um, did I miss anything? Anything else that we need to be healed from that anyone can think of? Just for time's sake, I'm going to keep going, but I'm supposed to wait seven seconds and be awkward. All right. So how do we obtain inner healing? How do we obtain inner healing? The first thing is pay attention to the people closest to you. Are you having issues with those people? Because there's probably some inner healing that you need to do. The people closest to you and I think I'm just looking here in the room. We're all we're all married. Yes, probably all married. Uh, so probably your spouse. So, um, but but also your kids. Um, and of course, like any um, you know, really good friends, like like really healthy friends. Though, but healthy friends, not just not all friends, healthy friends. Um, are you can have repeating repeated issues? And repeated issues. And there is. Um, the people closest to you are affected by you in a way that no one else is. And that's very important, right? Like, especially your spouse, especially your spouse. There's no one in the world that is affected by you as much as your spouse is. And the other way around, right? There's no one else who affects you as much as your spouse does, right? So if your spouse is reacting in a certain way, that's why we always say marriage is a mirror. Like, because like, there's always, I always hear this, like, why after I got married, they're telling me I have an anger issue. Well, of course you, everyone else could have just walked away from you, but your spouse can't walk away from you. They have to stay under the same roof with your anger, right? And listen to you yell and scream and all this stuff. That's why you have an anger issue now, because the person is, is your mirror, right? And so... Um, you have to pay attention to those people because if if there's a repeated issue, there's probably some inner healing that you need to do. Number two is practice the discipline of self-awareness. Ask yourself regularly, how am I doing? What is going badly? And what is my role in it? Just remember that when something is going badly in your own life, almost 100% of the time, there is something that you are contributing to that problem. 
And you need to find that thing. Even if you say, oh, that person, literally, I'm sitting here doing nothing and this person keeps cursing at me. You know what your contribution is? That you're sitting in a place where they can reach you. They shouldn't be able to curse you and find you and curse at you. If you know that they keep, they're going to keep cursing at you, right? Um, so that's your contribution, which is not setting healthy boundaries. Number three is pray and ask God to support you during your healing journey. And now we're going to get into the, the heavy stuff, which is force yourself to become vulnerable. Vulnerability needs to sometimes be forced. Like, meaning, let's open up, right? Like, let's open up. There must be at least one context where you become completely vulnerable. There has to be at least one, right? Oftentimes, it is okay, I'm going to say this, it's okay if that is not your spouse. Yeah, I know. It's okay. Because, you know, sometimes... Your spouse may not be ready to handle all of this that's going on, right? So we need we all need to get support. We need to but but there has to be a place where we are completely vulnerable. Sometimes it can be your spouse, by the way. It, it can be. But but it's also okay for it to not be, okay? Because what what's going on in my heart, maybe my spouse is not ready to hear all of that. Maybe if I say something that's going on in my heart that I'm still working through, my spouse is going to take it personally, even if it's not about them at all. Maybe it's about something that happened a long time ago that they had nothing to do with. So um, <clears throat> so you have to find that context and force yourself to become vulnerable, like meaning the things that are the most awkward and uncomfortable to talk about the things where you have hesitation, where you're afraid you're going to be ashamed to talk about them, you have to be able to talk about them. And that's very, very important. Honestly, the I, I'm just going to say this because it's even though it's kind of sad, is that most people just never get to this point in their lives. And that's it. That's it. They, they just go through life and die and they, they never they never reached all achieved or experienced all the healing that God is offering them and that's it but don't be that guy don't be that person don't don't you don't have to you don't have to be that person you don't have to be that person who says oh I should have probably spoken about this 15 years ago right? And by the way, you don't, you could say that 15 years from now, and you don't want to do that, right? I don't know what's going on back there. All right. <clears throat> now, the next thing is to obtain inner healing is prepare your mind for a marathon, not a sprint. Prepare your mind for a marathon, not a sprint. Um, what that means is that um, I even have like – like a lot of uh, therapists put this in, in their consent forms and they say that things might actually feel much worse before they feel better. Because, you know, uh, sometimes you get a person or a couple and they're talking about things they never wanted to talk about before 
And now we're in, we're in what we're talking about. Finally, we're talking about what we needed to talk about, right? And of course, when those things come up, they're not going to feel good. They're going to feel so bad, right? They're going to feel so bad. And, you're, and it's going to be like, what? I thought this was supposed to help, and now I feel like a mess. I feel like my life is over. But actually, your life was definitely going to be over if you didn't open up about those things, right? But now there's actually hope. Um, <clears throat> so it often gets worse before it gets better. <clears throat> and expect some failure or disappointment. Expect it. Last two things are maintain a system of accountability. Keep healthy people in your circle. Like, especially if you're dealing with like a behavioral type of problem, like where, you know, maybe, maybe it's your, it's your tone. It's maybe it's your way of thinking. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a, a, a mistake or something, whatever it is. Um, maybe it's a spiritual like problem, but have some healthy accountability. Um, I want to say, and it's probably good to say it here. We're a church. We should say this stuff. Is that, um, uh, are, like, are we actually connected with each other? Like, we we hang out. You know, we hang out. We eat together. We we see each other on a weekly basis. Very consistent. But are we actually asking each other how the other person is doing? Do we care? Do I even care how the other person is doing? Or am I just coming here trying to do my small talk? Oh, yeah, kids, I'm tired. Oh, kids, work. Ah, kids, work. Kids, work. Ah, the house. Ah, da, da, da. And then that's it. And then we walk out, take communion and walk out. Maybe do a little service and walk out. Is that what's what we're doing here? Or do I connect with others? Do I actually slow down and when I ask someone how they're doing, I say, hey, hey, how are you doing? And I pause. I actually wait for an answer and I'm ready for anything, right? Outside of our click, yes, excellent. Thank you, that's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful clarification and addition. Like, am I only operating within my comfort zone? Basically, am I coming to be a Christian and care for someone? Or am I coming to check boxes, to, to get rid of my guilt, and uh, to say I took communion, and uh, maybe laugh a little bit and go to Starbucks or whatever I'm going to do or have some portos in the back, right? Is that what I'm here to do? Like, I'm here to serve, man. Like, I'm here to come and take care of people. Like, give something. The least you can give is some listening, just some listening, a little bit of it, right? Without spewing out advice and, and troubleshooting and all, just listen. Just say, hey, it's so, let me, I'll just give you five, three to five things to say. It's so nice to see you. I missed you. How have you been? I've been thinking about you, right? And then you could also text after. Hey, it was so good to see you today. That's it. It's, it's simple things. But also be ready if someone, like, ask with an expectation that's... And, and let me just give a simple thing. Sorry, I'm, I'm going off on a little small tangent, but I'm almost done. Small tangent. Is there is always something going on. Full stop. 
There's always something going on with every person. You, you should assume that. You should assume that. Everyone has something going on. You just, have no, you just haven't done any work. Or you don't know how to ask questions. Or I don't know how to ask questions. Or maybe, uh, maybe I'm, I, I'm, I'm too busy looking this way where it's easy to hang out. And I'm not looking over there. Right? But you see how Jesus was. Jesus is all these people. And then he goes, hey, um, all these people. And he's like, hey, Zacchaeus, I need to go to your house today. What? How did you even see him? Or uh, he's walking around with a crowd of people. He's like, hey, some woman touched me. What? And the disciples are like, Jesus, all these people are thronging. Like, like they're all over you. What do you mean some woman touched you? But he's paying attention, right? He's paying attention. Am I paying attention? Or am I completely oblivious? Um, and by the way, if someone is going to be vulnerable with you, you have to be ready for that, right? Which means you have to know what vulnerability is. Like if you're just some, if you're a robot and someone is like, hey, yeah, uh, I'm really tired. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm going to pray for you. I hope, get some sleep, man. Get some sleep, right? Um, all right. So uh, last, very last thing to uh, get. So I said, so just how to obtain inner healing. Pay attention to the people closest to you. Practice the discipline of awareness. Pray, ask God to support you during your healing journey. Force yourself to become vulnerable. Prepare your mind for a marathon and journey, not a sprint. Maintain a system of accountability. And the last thing is work hard to educate yourself. Like you need to learn. We need to learn. Read, listen to lectures, go to therapy, seek spiritual guidance, journal, right? Like this, like you only have one life. You only have one mind and one heart. Everything is at stake here. Like there's not other opportunities to do this, right? So there's a lot of things at stake. And, you know, if if we can all um, do the work and receive the, the healing that God is offering us, we can we can live a life that we never imagined. Um, and by the way, I just want to be very clear. This is not, I am not saying like, um, let me just keep it at that because I, I, I was going to get into a whole other like point about, this isn't just about happiness, but it's about holiness, right? And, and, and God is trying to give us something and we need our inner healing to re- have no obstacles in receiving from him what he's offering us. That's the point. That's the end of the prepared material. Any questions or comments, concerns, disagreements? Was this helpful or not helpful? Okay. All right. Glory be to God forever. Amen.